Welcome to the We Raise the Stars and Stripes Over Japan podcast. This is Mark Stephen Schwartz, and it is both an honor and a privilege for me to read the diaries of Allied and American civilian prisoners of war interned in and around Kobe, Japan during the Great Pacific War, World War II. This is episode number 34. December 19, 1942, Roy Henning. Dean Brunton and I figure audio oscillating diagram from code practice. Feel upset in stomach. Siesta from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. to the doctor in the morning. Studying photography, lot of drunks downstairs. December 20th, 1942, Charles F. Gregg. Receive 90 yen each from Vatican. American residents of Kobe, in turn, receive 45 yen. Nice Christmas gift. Roy Henning. Sunday. Tying knots. Learned several new ones. Tiny Lukey gives me 25 yen for my carton of cigarettes. Have a case of food poisoning again. December 21st, 1942, Roy Henning. Finish engraving Robira's soapbox, Jean Clary's box also, one yen. Have four more jobs to do. Air raid alarms during the day, blackout two hours at night. Shortest day of the year, plenty cold. Harold Brinkerhoff. I went to the dentist, Greg, the guard and I went up to the Marks house. It was nice to see the fellows again. We visited for 45 minutes. Then we went to the Butterfield house where we visited for half an hour. The reason for the visits was that we had heard a report that both houses had made presents of Red Cross kits to their guards and the locals at our camp. We might face reprisals if we didn't do likewise. We learned that a kit had been given to each of the officers and one to the Swiss consul and his assistant from the Marks house, also two to the Ken show. The report at Butterfield was even worse. They had done the same as Marks and in addition, were going to give the guards a kit from each distribution, which would give their guards seven kits each. It was evidently done without the consent of everyone. They had a political upheaval and replaced their officers who had made the commitment. But they did not feel they could rescind the giving of presents to the guards. The new officers went to the guards and explained that it had not been the wish of the whole. They asked if their privileges would be curtailed if the kits were not forthcoming. The guards said no, but the kits would be appreciated. In that light, they decided they had better give the kits. I learned from Mr. Johnson and Flaherty that their wives are receiving allotments from the government. They are in the same category as I, civil service, so I guess El Zeta is getting money likewise. We had a meeting after Greg and I got back. We reported what the other camps had done and talked over what we should do. We were almost unanimous in our decision not to give the police any of our food packages and let them retaliate if they so desire. Here are some of the reasons advanced. Number one, 
We are uninvited guests in enemy country. Two, our people sent the kits for our good and comfort, and it would be wrong to give them to the enemy. In other words, we would be aiding and abetting the enemy. Three, if anything, they should give presents to us instead of taking unreplaceable food from us. Four, our people probably sacrificed to send the kits to us, and we are morally obligated to keep them. Five, if we give them kits now, we will be expected to give at all other distributions, and we might as well have it out now and forever. Six, we don't think the giving would improve our present conditions. Seven, if anything, it would make them look down on us if we give our food away. Eight, in most cases, they would not like foreign food and would probably sell it. Nine, only two of the guards have ever been kind or done anything for us. One is no longer here because of his kindness to us. Suggestions. One, we make a cash donation. Answer, cash would be hard to cover up and they aren't allowed to take bribes so it is out of the question. Two, we buy them some dried fish and seaweed. Sarcasm. Three, we tell them to take a flying jump at the moon. Four, we buy them some presents other than food. Five, suggested by Cliff Price that the Japanese can't buy silver articles, but we can. Six, Price said Kensho officials would not accept silver, that we would have to give kits to them. Seven, we give the eight girls who have been doing mending for us men from Guam a Canadian kit each as they can't procure articles contained in them. Resolved. 1. We give the guards silver initialed belt buckles. 2. That we give the head guard something a little better to be purchased at the discretion of Cliff Price. 3. That we give each of the girls who have been mending for us a kit. 4. That we will divide equally with Mr. Stevens and Johnson, the missionaries from Manchuoko, as they are not home here, the same as we are. After all is said and done, we will receive 17 kits, and there will be 10 left over to be divided between 24 of us. I guess everything is settled. I surely hope so. I forgot to mention, on our way back from town on the streetcar, we arrived at a station. An official came and gave an order in a loud voice. Every blind in the car was pulled down. We proceeded without headlights. When we got off at our station, there were planes going over, and our guards would stop and look up at them. This is out of the ordinary, as they usually pay no attention to planes. I think they're getting jittery, as our bases in China are operative. December 22, 1942. Roy Henning. Overcast and very cold. Engrave Bill Falvey's soapbox. Receive an American and Canadian food kit. Enough wood to build foot locker. Play a little music today, first time in many days. Harold Brinkerhoff. We had another distribution of two Canadian and one American kit and another CCC kit. The CCC kit contains one gem razor and five blades, one U.S. Army comb, one tube of toothpaste, 
one army toothpaste, one general shaving brush, one metal soap dish, one bar face soap, one toothbrush holder, one extra shaving brush. This makes two CCC kits we have received. I am to go to the dentist this, this afternoon for the last time, I hope. We received four two-pound tins of jam and 12 ounces of bulk cocoa. The jam was from the Sun Canning Company, Dalhousafat Pearl, CP, South Africa. December 23, 1942. Charles F. Gregg. Visited Marks and to wish boys Merry Christmas. Swiss, Swiss consul came and still nothing about the exchange. Shoes, blankets, letters home, radio broadcasts, etc. Received 50 yen each. Roy Henning. From trip to doctor, we got to Dai Maru. Good walk by colored thread. Bryant Sterling working on my footlocker. Buy from Shimada and Company socks, sweatshirts, sweaters, and gloves. Get my dyed pants from back from Lou. Jim Thomas. A group of girls of British, Portuguese, and American nationality donated to us some pastries and clothing. December 24th, 1942. Charles F. Gregg. Christmas party. Real dinner. Drinks before dinner. Appetizers. Chicken rice soup. Roast beef potatoes, fresh cauliflower, gravy, ham, tongue, fish with carrots and peas creamed, hot mince pie and cheese, real coffee, then more drinks. Courtesy of Fred Down had some real cognac. Slim Houston and I put the gang to bed by 12 o'clock, then we started, had coffee, cocoa, toast at 5 a.m. and then to bed. Roy Henning. Spend all day with Bryant Sterling working on Foot Locker. Finish the job. Drank three quarts of wine and one sake together with Bob. Another quart together with Bryant. And also two-thirds two of a quart, my supply. Bob to bed about 10 p.m. Bryant sick in yard, feeling okay all the time. To bed at 2.30 p.m. Phonograph running till 6 a.m. Pretty nice Christmas. December 25th, 1942. Charles F. Gregg. Red flowers and wreaths from Marks and visits from Bill Smith and Bill Young. Had two cakes from the girls. Girls refers either to the American women interned at the Eastern Lodge or perhaps the Guterres sisters. And two large tarts from Mrs. Reggie Price. Real Afternoon Tea Roy Henning Christmas Day Waxed the box Packed things in my new suitcase Had bacon and egg for breakfast Tuna lunch Take siesta in afternoon Very mild sunny weather Wonderful supper Chicken, roast beef, ham, salad, ice cream, and candy Please have great party at night. Very funny show. Jim Thomas. 
Christmas party organized by internees with permission of guards. Better meal than usual. Beer, liquor, and a few songs. December 26, 1942. Harold Brinkerhoff. Our celebrating is over. We had to have our Christmas party on Christmas Eve. The 25th is a Japanese national holiday celebrating the death of Emperor Taisho, the father of the present ruler, and we could not celebrate Christmas on this day. At 6 p.m. the bar is open, the one upstairs selling only beer, and the one down in the basement selling hard liquor. I tended the upstairs bar as I don't care to drink. My business was very poor until dinner. At 7 o'clock our dinner started. Here is the menu. Chicken soup, small peas fresh tuna with cream gravy, slice of roast beef, slice of smoked tongue and ham, cauliflower, spinach, piece of mince pie, bread, butter, and cereal coffee. Mr. Matsumoto, head of the Kensho, and his second-in-command, Nakehara, gave speeches. They said they were sorry we were here as prisoners, and unofficially they would like to be more lenient with us, but they were bound by orders. They hoped we had not been treated too badly the past year, and hoped things might be better the coming year. There was a great deal of drinking. Nearly everyone was tight by 10 p.m. They decided not to charge for the beer. The hard liquor was 70 to 90 sen, or 1 yen, 40 sen per drink. After supper, I had one sake, two whiskeys, two glasses of beer, no results. Our five guards were here and really got drunk except the head guard and one sub-guard who was on duty. Two of the guards had to be put to bed and one threw up on everything. The Catholic Fathers held a midnight mass. I attended and I was told it would be beautiful. I was disappointed. Catholicism might be okay for a primitive people, but it doesn't appeal to me. I can't appreciate all the incantations. In the ceremony, they had a silver incense-burning vessel, which hung from a silver chain. All through the ceremonies, they would wave it, first in front of one priest, then another, then towards the audience just like the old witch doctors trying to drive away the evil spirits. Perhaps if one learned the spiritual significance behind each act, it might not seem so heathenish and absurd. To me, it was elemental, and for people who have to be led by mysticism rather than thought. There were only two occurrences out of line. Bob Vaughn and Alan Kowalski got swacked and tried to have a fist fight. Kowalski accidentally dropped a lit cigarette in Tommy Thomas's new coat pocket and burned a big hole in it before Tommy discovered it. Christmas Day was very busy. Visitors coming and going all day. Bill Smith and Bill Young from Mark's house brought us a pot with five poinsettias and a wreath for a Christmas present. The American ladies at Eastern Lodge sent us a potted poinsettia. Christmas night, we had a party in our own room. A Russian girl sent four baskets of presents for the Guam fellows. I received a necktie, a pair of cigarettes, and a cigarette case. I gave the case and cigarettes away. 
Roy Henning. Nice day, all quiet around the house. Reading Sorrel and Son, good book. Finish Lay Chambers Engraving. December 27th, 1942. Roy Henning. Sunday, cold. Pretty snowstorm during the midday. Bathe, wash a lot of clothes, wash hair. Rearrange my luggage. December 28th, 1942. Harold Brinkerhoff. It snowed yesterday when it should have snowed Christmas Day. Last night and today are the coldest we have had. It is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The sun is bright, but a very cold wind is blowing. I got the greatest surprise of my life the day after Christmas. I was lying in bed when I felt something placed on my feet. I turned over quickly, but the giver had gone from the room. I opened it and found a beautiful silk bathrobe. On it was a card, Best Wishes, Harold. I had been down to the bath in a short in my shorts a few minutes before, and Harold Mason had remarked about my state. So I was sure he had given it to me because he felt sorry for my lack of a robe. It made me feel bad as I thought he had given me the robe out of pity. At dinner that evening, Harold Arab asked me if I got the package he left on my bed. I was very much relieved when I found out Arab had given it to me because I knew it was a present, pure and simple, and not given out of pity. I hadn't done anything in particular for Arab. I had helped him in the garden and given him my pipe tobacco. It is a beautiful robe and must have set him back 20 or 25 yen. We had a little program from outside talent. A Russian ballet dancer turned out to be a Dutch ballet teacher by the name of Van Duchies. We were allowed a fire in the dining room stove this morning. The fellows have had chillblains in their hands. Some are cracked and bleeding. I still have my short underwear on. Roy Henning. To the doctor again. First time I think toe is healing. Went to drugstore. Bought Japanese cold mask. Very cold weather. Temperature 43 degrees Fahrenheit midday. Weight 74 kilograms or 163 pounds. Draw two knots in a new notebook. Read till 11 p.m. Charles F. Gregg. Fred Oppenborn taken to the hospital with a case of flu. December 29, 1942. Roy Henning. Engrave Art Woodruff's box and Joe Hermes' box. Reading Northwest Passage, a good book. Rather mild weather, no wind. December 30th, 1942. Roy Henning. Mild weather and hazy. Change belongings around. Make more light, redistributing clothes. Play catch. Siesta in the afternoon. December 31st, 1942. Charles F. Gregg. Have given gifts of appreciation to the police head of house. Picture frame, 25 yen. Four guards, silver cuff links. Two Kensho chiefs. Canadian food kits, eight Canadian food kits to eight girls of Sewing Circle, flowers to Miss Susie Vanderchris, who gave us 
three baskets of Christmas gifts with which we had a real Christmas party on December 25th, I played Santa and distributed 28 gifts, flowers to Marks, Butterfield, Eastern Lodge, etc. On Christmas, we also received a poinsettia from Americans of Eastern Lodge and also 30 yen and 102 cigarettes from American, British, Dutch, still at large in Kobe. Bit of item on Christmas Eve was our Christmas party, courtesy of Miss Vanderkiss, and church vesper service, chorals, etc. Best Christmas in three years. New Year's Eve coming up. Nothing special, although Jay Walker donated bottle of sake to Slim and me. From war news, we are hopeful that next year we'll see the end of the war in Europe in 1943 and that we might get home. Several house parties and private rooms, which broke out into general rumpus in hall, etc. Harold Brinkerhoff, the last day of the year. I hope this day next year finds me at home. Very little of interest. Today has been fine. I don't feel the cold much. If it doesn't get any colder, we should come through fine. Roy Henning, New Year's Eve, bought a bottle of wine, went to Fujiwara's at 6 p.m., drank wine in Bob's room, no excitement, had corned beef sandwich at 2 p.m., then to bed. January 1st, 1943, Max Brodowski. Today is New Year's Day, the second one of our captivity. The last one in Guam, this one here in Kobe. We're pretty well fed this year as we have had fair rations and our Red Cross boxes to fall back on. Last year we were in the church at Aganya and our rations were borderline to starvation. It was warm there in contrast to the cold winter here in Kobe. It is cold but not freezing. New Year's Day is a big holiday to the Japanese and they celebrate for five days. We had quite a time Christmas night, and the Mikado restaurant provided a fine meal for us. Chicken, beef, and ham, and ice cream. Also sweet potatoes. Of course, our daily rations do not come up to this, but they are sufficient to sustain us. I gained a little weight, 192, with a full suit of clothes. The Japanese have provided us with suits made of a heavy black blanket-like material and they are warm which is important, even if the cut is very unstylish. Charles F. Gregg Many big heads and Russian mouths this morning and a few still plastered. Quiet day with everyone trying to cheer up every other person with tales of forthcoming evacuation in 14 days victories for allies in four months, etc. Police had big private party in their room starting at four o'clock and running on until all but the chief of the house were tight. He, Mita, had left party and went to bed and waited for roll call at 9 p.m., then retired with a request to be called when the party was over. After dinner, beef was served to all of us in the study room of the basement 
and a little gin to a few of us. A few who have had the good fortune to get tight on nothing were off again. This included Bob Vaughn and George Conklin in our group. Everyone in bed by 10 p.m. and a restless, melancholy night spent tossing and thinking of home, family, and friends. Harold Brinkerhoff. Only one thing of any consequence has occurred. New Year's Eve, one of the local internees gave me some promising news. This party has a niece who was engaged to marry the Paraguan consul. He was evacuated on the first American ship, but they were unable to be married, so she couldn't go with him. They agreed if another evacuation occurred, she was to be married to him by proxy. In this way, she could be evacuated. The Swiss consul was to notify her in time, which he did two days ago. The lady in question had come here to ask permission of her uncle for the marriage. Last night was our coldest, 28 degrees Fahrenheit at bedtime. It is very cold today. Roy Henning Have mess cook duties, exercise hard and yard, don't feel the cold weather. Cook up a bed lamp with Dean Brunton. January 2nd, 1943. Roy Henning. Read most of the day. Sunny, cold weather. Elect new officers at meeting. January 3rd, 1943. Charles F. Gregg. Quite a bit of sickness again. Mainly colds and a few cases of food poisoning, such as I have had on the 23rd of last month. Dick Arvidsson has some unusual symptoms of either vitamin deficiency or stomach trouble. Everett Penning and George Conklin in bed with colds. Jim Thomas and Bob Vaughn have head colds but are up. Fred Oppenborn is still in the hospital with occasional spells of fever, etc. Talk of exchange and lots of it. Supposed to be an American exchange around the 15th of January. Some of the people here believe we will surely be returned home. Roy Henning, Sunday, very cold all day. To doctor again, toe healing very slowly. Have chill blains on several fingers. Still no braziers. January 4th, 1943, Roy Henning. Snowing again, play ball in snow, invigorating. Reading drawing knots. Review my diary. January 5th, 1943. Roy Henning. Very cold. One inch of ice on the rain barrel. Keep warm by exercising a lot. Finish Northwest Passage. Excellent book. Word slide rule problems. Work slide rule problems at night. January 6th, 1943. Roy Henning. Freezing weather all day. Received an American food kit. Trade my coffee and two Roy's for two pound can, two pound can of jam. Study photography. Embroider initials on my jacket. January 7th, 1943. Roy Henning. Sunny weather. Two inches of ice on the rain barrel. Here's scuttlebutt that we go home on January 25th. Other scuttle confirms this. And this concludes episode 30, 
four of the We Rays, the Stars and Stripes over Japan podcast. Thanks very kindly for listening. Bye-bye now.